Friendship isn't the big things, it's a million little things. Hello friends, and welcome to this, A Million Little TV Shows podcast. I'm Mike, and I'll be delving into TV shows that I feel don't seem to get enough love. Over the course of the pod, we'll break down episodes and talk about my thoughts and feelings on the shows. Welcome back. How are we all? Hope you're all doing well out there. Today, we're going to be focusing on a second half of season one of Modern Love, episodes five to eight. But first of all, I just wanted to say a little piece because this is episode 12 and I'm going to be honest, I wasn't even sure I'd get this far. I have a lot of series to cover, but I didn't know how much I'd actually enjoy this, so hopefully you're sticking with me and we can go through this together, but yeah, I've been enjoying myself, so I'm going to keep plugging away at this for a little while. Who knows where it might end up. But before we start, I just wanted to let you guys know that I've actually decided what I'm going to be doing next when it comes to what series I'm going to cover, but... I'm not going to reveal that until the end of the episode, so if you want to, just skip, or hopefully you don't, hopefully you carry on listening, otherwise, what's the point, really? But enough of me blathering, you're going to hear me blathering some more about a TV show, so let's get into it. Episode 5, At the Hospital, An Interlude of Clarity, starring Sophia Butella as Yasmin and John Gallagher Jr. as Rob. Here we are again, John Gallagher Jr., Jim from the newsroom. It starts with two people on an escalator, one behind the other, and they are heading past groups of men coming down the other way. The woman's in front. Each time a man passes the woman, they have a massive grin on their face, and the man starts to look a little concerned every time that they pass. This is Yasmin and Rob. So Rob and Yasmin go back to... Rob's new place in New York. It's a studio apartment and he's still got boxes everywhere so he must have just moved in literally that day. He gives her the so-called grand tour but like I say it's a studio so it's one room with a bathroom and a little kitchenette area. Yasmin goes straight into the kitchen and she starts making drinks for the two of them. It's at this point that Rob starts moving some boxes around to try and make some space and just sort of tidy up a little bit. And as he does, he drops the mattress to the floor and it's misconstrued by Yasmin, who thinks that he's trying to pull a move. And he says, I haven't got any moves at all. And she looks at him and tends to believe him. But things do seem a little tense between the two of them now. After a moment, the tension subsides and they realise that situation they've got themselves into. Rob tells Yasmin, there's no way I can make a move now, is there? And she says, don't worry about it, and then makes the move herself. Crawls up into his lap, and they're kissing, start taking each other's clothes off. Yasmin runs to the bathroom, and as she does, Rob catches a view of himself in the reflection of the TV. He starts falling around on the sofa, you know, trying to get in the best position for when she comes back out. And when she does, 
he basically says kind of what do you think of my move and she goes i think it needs more work he goes to reposition himself slips off the sofa and smashes into the martini glass just below him yasmin starts laughing but then realizes the severity of the situation as rob has a piece of glass sticking out of his arm and has cut himself badly he removes the piece of glass and obviously starts bleeding out the first thing at hand for rob is a piece of white cloth which he grabs and puts on his wound straight away. Yasmin rings the hospital and they tell him that someone's on their way. So the ambulance arrives and and Yasmin's just running around in her bra and pants at this moment because she's obviously panicked. She is just trying to do what's best. Rob tells her, get a towel. She runs to get a towel and as she comes past, she starts to wrap it around her, going to answer the door. Rob says, no, 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 give me the towel. And as she does that, he throws the white cloth at her and it's her actual dress. She now has two big lovely bloodstains on either side of this dress. She goes with Rob in the ambulance and the paramedic with him is asking all the questions that they would usually ask. And one of those questions is, are you currently on any medication? To which Rob answers yes and tells him they're for his anxiety, and he's on antidepressants as well. They get to the hospital, and Rob is stripped. So they can put a gown on him, they need to get him into surgery. It's a really bad cut. While he's doing so, Yasmin is still there with him. She even offers to take his things and look after them while he's in surgery. He goes under the knife, everything's a success. The surgeon's happy with it, and now he's just waiting in a ward until he's discharged. Yasmin's still there and they were playing a game when they got to Rob's apartment and they continued to play it. Eventually she asks about the drugs and he says, to be fair, it's not really something you wouldn't want to give away. And she agrees and says, yeah, without real necessity too. It's their second date. Rob begins to tell her about his anxieties and especially when he's with her, he tells her that men just look at her and then they look at him and they think, why is he with her? And I get that. I know I say it every episode, but I get it. I've been there recently. When you're just talking with someone and people start looking at you like, why are they with them? And the, the, the problem is, they're probably not even looking at you, or me in this case. Like, it's such a difficult situation to be in, to be with someone who you think is incredible looking and you're all just there thinking god I, I look like a troll next to this person so i get rob's anxieties here i really do i feel them so much i've had it on <laughs> several occasions when i'm with someone and i think you're too good for me it's hard to get past it really is i'm not one of these people that can just take drugs so i'm not i'm not someone who needs to go to a doctor to go i need to fix this I prefer to do it on my own, really. Uh, which is probably why I'm alone now. But hey-ho, this shit happens. But anyway, let's get back to the story. They go down to the hospital cafeteria and they start to bond. Yasmin tells a story about how her father suffered a stroke. She stayed with him right up until the end. But she knew, essentially, the moment that he had the stroke that he was gone. Rob goes further into what I suppose would be his depression. He asks the question, 
who do you think you'd be if you were disabled? And his answer is probably the same as what mine would be. I'd probably be bitter. I don't know why, because I find anyone who is disabled who can just go on with their day incredible. They're absolutely fantastic. I know that I just couldn't. I'd be bitter. I'd be angry all the time. I'm bitter and angry most of the time anyway. So, and to end up in a situation where I didn't have control over my body anymore would definitely be something that I don't know if I'd be able to deal with. It is a pretty crazy thought. Yasmin reveals that she isn't as perfect as Rob thinks that she is. She tells him the truth about the guys on the escalator. She is someone that needs to be loved. She posted on Instagram that she was helping save this guy and that she was being a good citizen and she was disappointed with the 87 likes that she got. She tells him that she needs to be loved and when they were going up the escalator she remembered a game that her and her friend used to play where they would try and get as much attention from other guys as possible. And what she was doing was she was smiling and making eye contact with pretty much every guy that came the opposite way on the escalator just to get that feeling of adoration. She tells Rob that this is something that her ex-boyfriend picked up on. They'd been in a very intense relationship and when he saw that she was doing this, he called her out on it and they fought and that's why they ended up breaking up. Rob asks how long it's been since they broke up and she reveals that they've been on a break for the last couple of weeks. Rob's discharged from the hospital and they go and sit in the park. They just sit together having a moment and Rob tells her how much this meant to him. And I suppose that's that's the whole point of the episode. Sometimes it can be the longest relationship that you have. For instance, the last episode with the tennis game, where they'd been together for years and they were always being together for the kids now, but eventually found something. Or this episode where they've hardly spent 12 hours together. He's had his accident. They've gone to hospital. They've chatted most of the night. They've gone and had breakfast together and they may never see each other again. Sometimes it's the little moments that just make it. And I think it's just a stunningly beautiful episode throughout. It's so sweet, so caring and so loving and so raw. And that's what I like. That is very much me. Episode 6. So he looked like Dad. It was just dinner, right? Starring Julia Garner as Maddie, Shay Wiggum as Peter, Mahala Herald as Tammy. So Maddie's out with her friend Tammy and Tammy's parents. There's a voiceover of a dad saying how proud he is of his little girl and when she turns 21, how the world is going to open up for her. We see that the dad is talking about Tammy and that Maddie is there as just a friend. Maddie starts thinking about the time when she turned 21, and how she's glad that her father wasn't there, and how he wouldn't have approved for the way that she celebrated. It seemed like it was an atypical 21-year-old party animal night out. She tells how she, she tells the audience about how she didn't have much involvement with her dad, but now the place that she's working at has a man who reminds her of him. He's got crumbs on his jacket, and he's got 
flecks of silver in his hair. He's, as she describes him, dad porn. Maddie begins to obsess a little bit over this man and keeps going past his office just to catch a glimpse, just to see what his office is like, but to also at times hear the classical music that's going on as this man works away as a robotics engineer. But it seems that he's noticed her as well. So Maddie meets this man outside of work, just at a coffee van, and he calls her Madeline, which she says only her dad ever called her Madeline. He asks her to dinner that night, and she agrees. But when she tells her friend Tammy about it, Tammy tells her that this is a date. And Maddie keeps saying, no, it's it's just a thing. Like, nothing's going to happen. But Tammy tells her, on this non-date, just don't fuck him. Because then it'll be a date. Maddie laughs it off, but when she gets there, the voiceover tells us that this is a date. But it's sort of a dad date. Peter's cooking risotto. And when he asks her to taste it, it's a little romantic. He sort of cups the food to her face. And then she realises that this is a date. She goes to the bathroom and she tells herself in the mirror that you're going home after dessert. But when she comes out, Peter is nowhere to be found in the near vicinity. She calls out for him and a voice comes back. She follows the voice and finds him in his bedroom, on his bed. He asks her to join him while listening to classical music, and she does so. As she lays on the bed, he wraps a grey comforter around her, and she describes him as a grey comforter. He asks how he can make her more comfortable, and she asks him to tell her a story of when she was young, to which he answers, but I didn't know you when you were young. So she says, it's just a game. Like, if you were my dad... And so he begins to play along, and he starts telling her a story. After that night, Maddie doesn't see Peter for a couple of weeks, and she begins to miss him. And then one night when she's on her way home, in an Uber, the driver's trying to talk to her, and asking her to smile, to which she says, If I want to smile, I'll smile. I'm not here to smile for you. Which, first things first, don't do that to women, it's not fair. It's really... A sucky behaviour. But then also, keep your eyes on the road, because then he goes and crashes. Her first thought is calling Peter. And she does, and when he turns up, he says that she's going to have to go to hospital, just to make sure that she hasn't got a concussion. And the police officer agrees with that, and tells her to go with her dad. He goes to the hospital with her, he's there all the time including when she goes into the MRI machine. And she tells him that if she gets scared, she'll curl her toes. And he says, if you curl your toes, I'll squeeze your feet to make sure that you know that I'm here and everything's okay. The bond between them is becoming very sweet and like a father-daughter situation. They spend the next few weeks together on their times off until one day at the zoo, when Peter bumps into his daughter, and his grandson. It seems a very awkward situation because the daughter is implying that her dad is sleeping with this young woman who is roughly her age. But Maddie sees it as just, he's like a surrogate dad to me. Not that she says as much, but that is the vibe. 
but throughout the whole thing, Peter is just feeling awkward about everything. Maddie and Peter get into an argument after Maddie has bought a nice coat by Peter. He's walking her in and around New York, and as he does, he stops her and asks her to just lift her hood up. She lifts her hood, and he tells her that she's adorable, and he moves in to kiss her. And this is where the argument happens. He felt that she'd been sending him signals, but she tells him that there were no signals. She just wanted someone to care for her, and nothing more. She's never had that from a guy before. She just wanted someone who was going to look after her, and that she didn't want this to become sexual. When she tells Tammy about it, Tammy says, well, obviously. He wasn't just going to do it out of the goodness of his heart. And would it be so bad if you did? Because they've been getting a lot of things done around the house, thanks to Peter's involvement. And now there's a situation where the pilot light won't work, and they need someone to fix it. So Maddie starts sleeping with boys to just try and imagine having sex with Peter. And she's listening to classical music while she does so, to try and get her in the mood. After weeks of avoiding each other, Peter decides to ask Maddie. He takes her outside and they chat. Maddie thinks that she's going to get fired because he's a senior at the business and that's how it happens. But he tells her, it's not you who's leaving, it's me. I'm taking a sabbatical. He starts to break down a little and Maddie asks him, are you crying? Why are you crying? Aren't you too old to cry? And he tells her, just because I'm older doesn't mean I have a better grasp of the world. We're all still learning. He tells her he cares for her and he gets up and walks away. She realises that in that moment she grew up and she calls after him and shouts, wait. Now this episode was written by a woman called Audrey Wells and it's dedicated to her. She died in 2018 due to breast cancer. And this episode came out in October 2019. She would have never seen her work for this come to screen. I always like to see dedications like that. As for this episode, I um, I found it one of the most confusing ones. I enjoyed the performances. I thought they were fantastic. Julia Garner is an incredible actress. And Shea Wiggum is one of the finest actors I've watched. But they're just, I don't know. The May to December relationship, it was just... I didn't know how to feel about it. But I've been in that situation where you get someone that you like who's a little bit younger than you, but it's not going to work because they don't see it that way. They see you as, in my case, like an older brother or just someone who's there to care for them. So I get, I kind of get it, but it did feel a bit of an awkward episode. But I suppose that's the whole point of the title. It's called Modern Love for a Reason. It doesn't have to be romantic love. It can be any kind of love. Just because the stories so far have been about romance. And I think that might have been where it lost me. Because it was about a relationship, but it wasn't about a relationship that was anything to do with sex or finding your partner or finding the one. It was just about finding a bond, finding a relationship, finding a kinship with someone. So I suppose it was beautiful in a different type of way. Still absolute cracking performances though. 
can't fault them, and the writing was excellent. Episode 7. Hers was a world of one. This episode stars Andrew Scott as Tobin, Brandon Kyle Goodman as Andy, Olivia Cook as Carla, and Ed Sheeran as Mick. Tobin and Andy are a couple, and they've got a really idyllic home life. They live in an apartment in New York. They both have good paying jobs. They seem very happy together. And one night they decide that they need to start talking about what's next. And they decide that having a baby is probably where they should go. They go to adoption agencies and they go to surrogate agencies and start trying to find someone that will have a baby for them. Whether it's a donation situation and someone carries the baby for them or whether they can actually just adopt from someone who is currently pregnant. The first few times they keep getting rejected and then they meet Carla. Carla's a little eccentric, she's a little out there, she's very skittish and she seems to have a lot of tics. But then we learn that Carla's homeless and the guy that she hooked up with was a homeless guy and she seems very happy with the life that she's got. She is constantly travelling across the country and tells them that she's only in town like twice a year but she can see that they love each other and she wants to do this with them. So Carla leaves and she starts going around the country. This has got Tobin a little worried because he thinks that they're going to be investing time in someone that's not going to come back or when she does come back, is she going to want to keep the baby? After six months, she comes back. She was a month pregnant when they met and now she is a full seven months pregnant. When she knocks on the door, Andy lets her in and she says that she's going to be staying in town. To which Tobin says, oh great, you're staying in New York. And Andy says, yeah, she's staying with us. And it's at this point that you see that that isn't a discussion they've had yet. Carla asks, where's my room? And Andy tells her, it's here. And they're just sat in the living room. We then see what, we then see what Carla has done with the living room. She's got sheets hanging down, she's got clothes strewn everywhere, and she has really, let's say, made herself at home. But it looks from the idyllic scene that we saw before, where everything had its place, it is now converted into chaos. Which, in fairness, if they're going to have a kid, chaos is coming anyway. Andy seems to embrace the whole thing. When they actually walk through the door and Carla is in just her underwear, cooking some meal. But Tobin is a little bit standoffish about the whole thing still. You can kind of see that he's looking at this as if my way of life is currently threatened. Tobin and Andy have a dog. It's a little chihuahua type dog. And Carla has also got a dog. And it's sort of a Labrador or a golden retriever. And as the episode goes along, you see that these two are getting close and then one day Tobin takes his chihuahua out she's breathing heavily he takes it to the vet and finds out it's pregnant at this point he freaks out and they end up having to get the dog to have an abortion during the night Tobin and Andy's dog wakes up starts barking 
And then from the living room, Tobin hears voices. He wakes Andy and tells him that they need to go through to see what's going on. When they do, they find Carla and Mick in the living room. They're just sat here. They're just sat chatting and just sharing stories from the road. But also, Carla's giving him some food because that's their culture. That's what they do. They help each other out. First of all, I need to say that I absolutely loved Ed Sheeran's accent in this. So, right, he's, he's kind of talking like this and he's, he's proper Bristolian. I like it. Makes me laugh. So good. And it's weird to think that in the episode there are three actors from the UK. But anyway, so Tobin and Carla really get into it. He starts yelling at her, telling her that she's ungrateful for what they're doing. Why is she inviting strangers over to their house, drinking wine, getting high, and probably having sex on their couch? She tells him that, oh, it's okay for you, isn't it? You just look like you're helping. But when it actually comes to helping someone, you're not doing a damn thing about it. You like to put on a front, but that's all you are. She storms out and he tells her that she can't even look after her own baby. And after she leaves, Tobin goes after her. Tobin eventually finds her and apologises for what he said. He's feeling a little bit overwhelmed by this whole situation. He's not sure if he's ready to be a father yet. She tells him that he better work out whether he is or not soon. And they go back to the apartment. That same night, just as they're getting into bed, Carla rushes in and tells them that (laughs) sex with Mick must have induced her because her waters have broke. They obviously rush round and get her to the hospital and she has the baby. Andy almost passes out, but Tobin stays with her throughout the whole thing. And he sees the baby crowning and he's holding her hand and he helps as much as he possibly can. And he just sees this incredibly strong woman, as they all are, just giving birth, doing something that is so unbelievably natural and bringing life into the world. She has a baby girl and afterwards Tobin sits with her just while they're monitoring the baby for the next 24 hours. And he sits and talks to her. And she says that she's not going to change her mind. The life that she has, she loves. She's free. And she can do whatever she wants. Go wherever she wants. Sleep with whoever she wants. But that isn't the life for someone who has a kid. And it's certainly not the life for a baby. So she's happy to give up the child. She knows that Tobin and Andy will look after her. Andy goes and sits next to his newborn daughter. And he starts telling her a story of her mother. And how she's this hunter-gatherer that was born in the wrong time. That if she was born centuries earlier, she'd be thriving. But in this time, it's a different world. And unfortunately, in this type of world... There isn't really a place for that type of person. I like this episode. I really like this episode, not just because of the UK people that are in it. I'm not someone that wants a child. I'm very much like Tobin. 
I don't want a child. I don't want my orbit messed up. I like to keep it as it is. But I'm also a little bit like Carla in this situation. I don't like being in one place. I don't like feeling caged. I don't really call my house a home. I call it my house. It's just filled with things that I've bought. Things that I do enjoy, but the one thing that I want to do more than anything is not be here, just travel. And I feel like Carla sometimes when I am traveling and doing things like that, it's freeing. And I do love the freedom of it. That's why I'd love this to take off, because it's something I could do anywhere. And I wouldn't have to think about it. i just go. i just do it. I want the freedom. And finally, episode eight. The race grows sweeter near its final lap. This stars Jane Alexander as Margot, James Sato as Kenji. Margot wakes up and she's alone. Throughout the episode it seems like she's getting ready for something. There's a very melancholy atmosphere. She seems a little bit sad about something. And her son's there and he seems a little bit downtrodden as well, a little bit out of it. We keep getting flashbacks of Margot when she first met Ken. They're both in the last stages of life, both a lot older, retired probably, but they've been doing running, and that's where they first meet. Ken's running a race, and Margot is with her friend, and she tells her friend that she's kind of had her eye on this guy, and she runs over to try and pep him up during the race because he seems to be struggling. We start to see that they have more and more time together, having dinners, going away on trips, mainly for running, but they're doing it all together. Their relationship begins to blossom. They take a trip away, and this trip means that they end up with one room. And it's really sweet seeing people at that age being able to fall in love again. Ken says that he's lost his wife six years earlier from cancer. And at this stage, we were unsure whether Margot has ever been married. We see other clips from Ken and Margot's life together. They move in together, and Ken also asks her to marry him. But of course, it's revealed that back in the now, it's the day of Ken's funeral. The reason that Margot is thinking about everything, and the reason that we are seeing these moments in their life, is because Ken has passed. Margot tells the story of how they met and what it meant to her, finding what she called a young love at an old age, where it seemed that they brought the best out in each other. They helped each other along. They held each other's hand. They kissed each other. They they touched each other's faces, and they held each other. And because it was so late on that they found each other, it made every moment count because they knew that there weren't going to be that many of them. After the funeral, Margot goes for a walk. She just wants to clear her head. She finds a street that's empty, and she decides to take a little jog down it, smiling while she does, just remembering Ken. At the end of the street, she stops, and a tattered old van drives past her. It's a VW van. Some might say a hippie van. Inside it, it's revealed that Carla from episode 5, is in there. She pulls up outside Tobin and Andy's house. The guy who's with her is telling her that, are you sure you want to do this? 
we can go now. And she says, I need to make sure that they're okay. And if they can guarantee that they're going to stay together, then I'm happy for them to raise my child. The guy says, you can't guarantee that. She goes in, and this is the point in the episode where she finds out where her room is. The VW van drives away, and at that point it just crosses paths with Maggie from the first episode. She's going into a woman's health clinic. At that point we see behind her that Guzmin is waiting outside. She comes out and she starts yelling and screaming at Guzmin because he's there and tells him that it's her body and it's her choice and that she can do whatever she wants. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what she says or what her parents say. And he just says, I'm here because it's going to rain and I told you to take a brolly. And he also tells her that the people that love her will care for her, whatever her decision is. And she says, did you just say you love me? And he said, no. I said, you're going to need all your strength. And you don't want to be having a cold. So I brought you an umbrella. At that point, she says, it's not going to rain as it starts raining. As they head round the corner, coming in the opposite direction is Joshua from episode two. He carries on walking as the rain's coming down. And just outside a cafe, he spots Julie. And he goes over and says hi. And they embrace and catch up a little bit. And he says, Emma, she saw your article. And she came and found me. And we're together now. And Julie's stoked. She's so happy for him. And then she says, well, I have you to thank. At this point, Julie's sat having a coffee with someone. And she says, this this guy, I met him on your app. He tells them, look, this is amazing. This is so great. Like, I'm so pleased for you. And he says, I've got to go, but I'll speak to you soon. And he goes. Joshua runs past another cafe, and inside is Rob from episode five. He's sat there, and he's looking forlorn and a little bit pissed off. He gets up, and he walks out, and of course... It's raining. He stands there and he's just looking out of the rain. All of a sudden, Yasmin runs out of the rain and tries to get undercover. And she begins to try and talk to him. And he just says, look, thank you for trying, but I've had a crappy day. I've come here to have a date with someone. And if you've already had a first date and you don't want to have a second date, then fine. But to arrange a date and not even turn up, it sucks. So I'd just like to be left alone, just staring at the rain. But Yasmin says, look, whatever it is, whatever's happened to you, try to make it better. So essentially try not to pass the negative energy on to the next person. If someone does you a wrong, Give something back to the universe. Try and make it a more positive experience. So for instance, right now, you're feeling shitty because someone hasn't turned up for a date. But what if the universe offered you another date and she offers him inside and that's the first date that they had? 
we know what happened on the second. We see Lexi from episode three. She's crying, happy tears, but cycling in the rain. Now that she's on her meds again, and she's on the right path. We then shoot to a rooftop to see Sarah and Dennis playing tennis still. And as the rain rolls in, they look at each other and say, Are we keeping playing? And they do. And then finally, just to escape the rain, Maddie runs under a bridge with what seems to be her new boyfriend. And they embrace. Margot then runs over the bridge that Maddie's under and continues to run out in the rain as shots from the previous eight episodes play. This is why I like this show. The anthology series on a whole is amazing. I love it when there is something that you can just kind of, you can watch one episode of it and you don't have to watch the rest. But sometimes when they do things like this where they just link it all back, it's so beautiful, especially when it's set in New York. So it's set in a city that they can pretty much access easily. And they can pull so many stories from. And everything's interwoven and interlinked. And I think that's why I love the MCU so much. It just, you're always looking for those links. Even now when I'm watching it, I'm thinking, is there a link in each episode that I missed or... There's not. There's nothing. There's not. I tell a lie, there's one. And it's in Carla's episode when she looks out the window and she signals to the guy who brought her that it's okay to go. But you don't realise what she's doing in episode 7 until you see episode 8. It's really clever. It really is. And the cast is fantastic. It is definitely a comfort series. And it shows the whole... It shows a whole range of love that you don't tend to think about. Some that's fleeting and some that's not. Some that you'll root for and some that you won't. And I love the diverseness of it all. It's so beautiful to see so much representation within it. It's, it's series like this that really make me feel. And I'm really glad that I found it. And I hope you guys are too. So if you're listening to this and you want to have a chat, Come find me. We'll have a chat. Hope you're all well. Thank you. Just before the episode ends, as promised, I said I'd let you know what's coming up next. In what could be essentially called season two. There'll be no break, but I've done the first lot of episodes that I wanted to do. So we'll call that season one or phase one. Just like the MCU. Anyway. So, coming up in Season 2. A Million Little Things Season 2. Inside Number 9 Season 2. A new one for us. Miracle Workers. Since that just came back for Season 4, we will be covering Season 1. The Newsroom Season 2. Guillermo del Toro's Cabinet of Curiosities. So I hope something there piques your interest and you'll come back for more.
Well, that's all for now, amigos. If you managed to make it to the end of my ramblings, thank you. And if you want to rate, share, subscribe, comment, it's all appreciated. Until next time.